Hello, and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy. Here we discuss all things architecture and design, to travel, exploring Vastu Shastra with a modern approach, and I'll be connecting with other like-minded women to share their story. I am your host, Katerina Burianova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. In today's episode, I am reconnecting with a childhood friend, Neo Leoku. Our worlds collided years ago when we both went to a British school in Prague, Czech Republic. Now we've reconnected based on our similar career paths, which is architecture. Today we dive deep into conversation about the architecture industry and especially how the modernization of architecture has affected the cityscape and identity of a city and the effects it has on really the ecosystem of a city. Well, Neo, thank you so much for coming on to From the Honeycomb podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to reconnect with you after all these years. I think it's been, we were just saying, it's been more years than we want to admit (laughs) since we've seen each other. (laughs) And we actually went to school in Prague, Czech Republic together. That's a double digit number. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Definitely a double digit number. But I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And so before we begin every episode, I like to start the episode with sharing something that we are grateful for in the present moment. And so what is it that you are grateful for? Um, so for me, it's pretty easy. I think this moment is a moment I'm grateful for because it's not all that often that you get to reconnect with someone from like a long time ago, and especially from Czech Republic because, you know, I just don't get to connect with people from that time when I was growing up. So it's always nice to kind of go back. It makes it feel more real. So that's the main thing in this moment. Oh, I love that. No, I know it is. There's still a few people I know from those years. Like I had Julia on the podcast and I still connect Mm -hmm. to a few people, but it was a really special time. I think we were a really good group. Like our class was a really good group of people, really interesting people. It was really great. Well, yeah, I love that. For me, I would say I'm very grateful for right now is living near the ocean. Just two, three days ago during Christmas Day, I went swimming. Um, So I'm in Southern California. It was a little cold, the water, but it's just been so nice living by the ocean. Most of my life, I've been living near large bodies of water, and I just feel so at home at the ocean. And then last night, my mom is in town visiting from the Czech Republic for the holidays. We went down to the harbor Mm -hmm. and we got this fresh ahi that my husband made. And it's just like living near just the ocean. Just, I love it. It's just from the Mm -hmm. food to the being able to go swimming and enjoying the water. I just, I'm very grateful for that right now. Yeah. There's some people who say bodies of water have their own consciousness, which I think is an interesting theory. Like, I guess. Like the sort of peace that you get from being around the water is kind of otherworldly. And I think that's a cool thing. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with that. (laughs) For sure. No, it is. I love being by the water. And I'm a Pisces. I don't know when your birthday is. Ooh, uh, I'm a Gemini. (laughs) So like June. (laughs) But still. Yeah. June is Gemini. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Right. So, so yeah, let's, it's been, like we said, too many years since we've last seen each other or spoken to each other. Um, but just to bring the listeners up to speed, you and I went to a British school in Prague, Czech Republic. In the early 2000s now is the math we've done. Yep. What a time it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. And first, I was... You first went in where? 2000 and... Okay. Yeah, early 2005. 2005. Yeah, I was there for seven months and only Mm -hmm. in year eight. So year eight is seventh grade for U.S. listeners. And yeah, so I don't know. How long were you at the British school? Uh, I was there for like four and a half-ish years, four or five years, something like that. So I think when during my last year is when you arrived. Okay, got it. Got it. And you made an impression. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did I feel like I did make an impression everyone's always surprised I was only there for half a year and I still like it's the people I'm still the right? closest with even yeah so definitely made an I, impression. Even I'm like really you were there for such a short time I feel like you were there for much longer but I was saying earlier that there's this memory that I have from one of our residential trips and I don't remember where it was exactly but like I just remember like we were kind of hiking through like hills you know for ages I don't we're probably going to get food or something from whatever cottage we were staying in I remember we were on a long ass walk that would not end it was really hot and you were like getting everyone singing along to this song and I remember the song really <laughs> so something like early in the morning oh I'm my god yes. and I was like now it's time to sleep I was like I heard a little birdie and a little birdie what tweet tweet, what tweet tweet, et cetera, et cetera. And oh my God, we were all yeah. just like singing the song over and over while we were walking. It was great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that song. Yeah, I learned that in camp when I was little. And that yeah. is such a fun, like, repeat after me song. Oh, I love it. Oh, I still remember. That's amazing. Yep. That's probably made an impression. It was just like, oh, right, we're walking. I guess we're going to sing this song. I'm going to teach you a song. And then we're all going to sing it for the next two hours while we walk to dinner. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm grateful I also made an impression because, yeah, there's been a great group of people from that that program, that school. And then from there, I know we I stayed in touch with a lot of people, I think through social media, Facebook, Instagram. And then I remember seeing, because I went to architecture school in Chicago, and then I remember seeing you went to school, architecture school in Michigan, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. So, oh, okay, that's cool. I didn't know you were in Chicago. We were so close by. Damn, I was in Chicago. We all were the really time close. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I went to architecture school in Michigan for like five years. It was a great time, a cold, great time. <laughs> yeah, that summarizes architecture school know. in the Midwest. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I spent quite a bit of time like at the West Coast as well, on the East Coast, but the Midwest is like its own interesting place. I don't know what it is. It's got a cool little character that I'll analyze one day, but it's cute. <laughs> I'm glad I went there. No, absolutely. And what was the name of your school? It's called Andrews University. It's like this tiny ass little college in the middle of nowhere. And I went there for many reasons, but they had this amazing course and they had this like summer abroad program that they do that I was like, I want to do that. And I did it and I loved pretty much all of it. So yeah, I'm glad I went there. And again, that mid 
what you call the Midwestern experience. It was literally like in a tiny Midwestern farm town. And I was like, I don't know what the school was doing here or why, but I did love it and kind of key to what got me to where I am today. So where did you go in Chicago? Illinois Institute of Technology. So Southside mm-hmm. Chicago, yeah. the Mies van der Rohe building, mm-hmm. Crown Hall. Yeah, that's where I studied five cold years as well. I'm pretty sure we went like we our class like went there and toured around a little bit on the campus. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, we had so many people come through. And it was a it was a really great campus for architecture. And then just being so close to the city was it was really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, how did you enjoy architecture? Like as a because <laughs> I mean, like architecture a, school is famous for being <laughs> uh, in kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that way no. for you? <laughs> I feel like it's it, weird asking because it's like yeah, obviously. No, definitely, architecture school felt intense for me. I definitely wasn't an all-nighter person because I did a few all-nighters and realized I cannot function as a human being the following day. So I need to get at least four hours, maybe five. I mean, even three I could do. So on that aspect, I did not do all-nighters. It was definitely intense, but I think it was was a great experience. I'm glad I went to the school I went to. You know, for a while I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should have gone to a more artsy school. It was a more tech school. Mm -hmm. So we did a lot more structural, mechanical out of that. But no, it was a great experience. So and for you? Yeah, like for me, it was pretty much similar. Like it was hard work and I did a couple of all-nighters, but I'm also just like a night owl. So for me, like the moment everyone kind of goes to sleep is when I'm like finally yeah, to like get to work. So I kind of leaned into, but it wasn't specifically all-nighters. It was just that I stayed up really late, pretty consistently. And then of course, yeah. during the grad school years, when you're a little old, you're like, oh, that's not exactly sustainable anymore. <laughs> we're getting more sleep less work I remember at least while I was studying landscape I was on the like you know how we have AIAS there's like the ASLA which is for landscape students and I was on the ASLA and I remember I was like you know in a way this program makes sleep impossible I remember like sitting there with like little what do you call post-its like calculating the hours like hours and like actual hours in a day and like the things you have to do on a daily basis like eat and go to the bathroom and get take a shower and like it just does not fit and I was like we need to rethink this because this is stupid (laughs) but yeah it was quite a learning journey and then did you go to grad school after Mm -hmm. so I went to okay so I did like my DR at the and MR at the same university in Michigan um, and then I worked for like a year or two, like, you know, you can do like internships or whatever. I did my internships for like a year or two in the area. And then I went to Oregon to do another master's, but I did a master's in landscape architecture because I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like I needed a little more context for architecture. Like you kind of, you learn the building, but mm-hmm. then you kind of stop at the foundations and like the context of what's going on around the building kind of stays a little fuzzy. And I didn't really like that myself personally. I was like, I'd like to understand like the relationship between what I'm putting in the ground and the ground that it's going in. Like, is this relationship okay? Like, what does it do to the ecosystem and all that kind of stuff? So I kind of felt like I needed that piece to do the work properly. 
actually for the year and a half or so when I was doing my internships in um, I did my internship in South Bend, Indiana, and I actually worked for this Czech lady, my boss at the time, and Charbelly, shout out. <laughs> she had just moved from New York. She had just moved from New York to South Bend, and she had to move her her architecture firm as well. And she was starting to kind of build up employees. So I was like her first employee. And so when I was working for her, it was really just me and her at the time. But I remember when she was interviewing me, we were talking a little bit about like the past and stuff. And I brought up that like I lived in the Czech Republic. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm from the Czech Republic. And we were like, what? And so when we worked together, it was nice because it kind of felt like I was like working with someone who comes from like the same background. And even like we could talk about what it was like and our favorite check foods and stuff like that so like that was the best year just like best possible boss because she was also super chill but there's something i think about check people as well where it's like it's like a weird like um i don't know like an entry barrier like you're not friends but when you are friends then you're friends and so it was like we kind of had that barrier and then we're like oh we have a background in common and then i was like okay cool <laughs> we are friends now so that was just an interesting little callback to good times in Czech Republic <laughs> or with someone from Czech Republic. No, it's amazing. And it's such a small world too. And then once you get, you know, there's Czech is such a small country. And when you meet Czechs outside it of is. Czech and then in architecture too, I mean, it's a small little network, but that's amazing. And a little rant, like Indiana seems so random, but that's so, so great that like your worlds collided there and that you had this like background. Absolutely. So that's really cool. And so then you did, I, I agree with you coming back to the landscape and just realizing and how in architecture school, we really do stop, like you said, at the foundation. I completely agree. I ended up actually doing an interior design internship because I kind of landed it on accident, but then I started to stay in it because I realized on the interior aspect, we don't get to do finishes we don't do furniture layouts the inside of the house mm-hmm. so it, it is true in architecture mm-hmm. school you've got kind of the bones the structure but then you kind of personally have to continue to educate yourself more on the interior and the exterior and the site because it's true I only took one landscaping class and it was mm-hmm. just visit little parks in Chicago and write about them and that was it I'm like well yeah. how am I supposed <laughs> to landscape my project if I don't even know what I'm supposed to landscape so I love that yeah. you went you went to continue the education. I mean, when I got to landscape, I was like, wow, I didn't realize how well, first of all, the similarities between landscape architecture and architecture are pretty strong. So they're kind of having an architecture education broadly. But like landscape architecture is like a whole, I don't know, a world of additional context that like I kind of wish we had like a course or something that's kind of embedded into the curriculum, either by the NAEB or something that just goes, okay, you need to understand a little about like soil types and like, you know, geology and like little stuff like that. It doesn't have to be that deep, but like, I think a little bit would have gone a long way. No, absolutely. I know I started studying for the architecture exams And that's where I started to learn a little bit about soils. And that's where I learned, you know, what kind of foundations to use. But really, we didn't really learn that in architecture school. And so from Oregon, you, because right now you're recording from South Africa. So I want to figure out how we got Mm -hmm. got you all the way to where you are now. So it's kind of complicated. I actually like, 
I didn't finish my master's in Oregon. I'm like, I've got like a year left where I finished like my master's project thing. But I left halfway through, one for pandemic reasons, because I was kind of hiking up right around mm-hmm. 2019 and borders were closing. And so a lot of people were kind of, I stay, should I not? We weren't sure if schools were going to start up again or whatnot. So I kind of made the choice to like, okay, let me take a gap year and then just come back. But also I was like, kind of really tired and emotionally drained and like my mom was like yeah you do not sound like you're in a good place so I think you just need to kind of take a break and step away for a little bit and go back having recovered and I was like yeah maybe that sounds like a good idea so I think at the time I kind of like I was sort of kind of making move after move after move like from like one school to like the next school and then from that to like a job and then from that to like another school and I wasn't really stopping to like rest and recover and so I made that choice and that's why I am here and I'm still here because life is complicated and sometimes we change our minds about things and that's kind of a longer conversation but uh yeah that's kind of where I am at now I'm like sort of halfway trying to think of whether I'm going to go back to school and finish that or if I'm going to stay and like you know tap into some other opportunities that have shown up I don't know like I guess the meaningful thing here is that in taking that break, I was able to actually sit and think about what I wanted and like what it was and like why I got into architecture in the first place and like what I consider worth investing my time into. And when you're kind of doing thing after thing after thing, you don't have time to like really sit and think about those things. Like you kind of pick like the kind of convenient options that are laid out. And so for the first time in a long time, I was sitting there like, did I actually want that? Like how much of it did I want? And what parts of it did I hate didn't have time to like think about it and I remember when I was working in South Bend like I enjoyed the job the boss was great the conditions were great like it was as perfect as could be in the way that I think about it but I still wasn't really satisfied I think there was something that was missing and I really didn't have time to figure out what but now I know what it is and I'm sort of like okay this is going to require a couple of unusual steps so that's where I'm at in terms of emotion and not just geographically. (laughs) No, and that's one of the great things about architecture is there's, even with just the foundation of having the architecture degree, there is so much you can do with architecture. It doesn't have to be just designing residential homes or, you know, commercial buildings. There's just so much opportunity. It's a really multifaceted degree, which is one of the things I, I love about it. And it's constant education and learning and things are changing, especially on the technical aspect that you can never be stagnant in this industry. There's always something yeah. new and there's always so much you can do. So it's like a whole package of a skill set. I don't know. It kind of feels like, um, uh, I don't know, like it's kind of like the powers of manifesting put into a little degree because <laughs> you're basically like <laughs> taking someone's ideas and making it reality. And like all the steps required to do that are the steps that you learn. So I don't know. It's like, mm-hmm. what can't you use architecture for? No, that is that was so perfectly said. I completely agree. <laughs> and I think also just going through architecture school and going through studio and learning to present projects you have aspects of public speaking, things you learn that help you 
in anything that you do later on, just the way you present, the way you organize, collaborations, working with people. There's just so many tools you learn from architecture on top of that. But I love the little manifestation box. That's so (laughs) perfect. (laughs) And so how did you find architecture? Just kind of kind of go back to to that. As far as I remember, I decided that I wanted to be an architect while I was living in Prague. Like, first, just being in Prague, like with its buildings and like its, like its buildings are, I would describe as practically magical. Like they're so charming and like, you know, you go to like all the different kinds of castles and I'm like, I don't know what kind of mushrooms they were on, but they produced some fantastic fantastic things so I at that time was like obsessed with buildings and whatever I remember at home I used to like collect all my mom's old empty soap boxes and like make little buildings and castles out of them and stuff like that so it was pretty early on I was like this is what I want to do and I didn't know it was architecture at the time until we went to visit a family friend somewhere there and their house was like fabulous like it was so cool and like it looked so unique like different from anything I've ever seen it was like, you know a modern house but like it looked my sort of older eyes can say like everything was personalized like the details and all that kind of stuff and I remember like being in awe and whatever and my dad was like you know this guy designed the house himself I was like really I was like yeah that's his job he designed houses he's an architect and I was like you could do that and I was like that's what I'm doing so and since then I was kind of like on track (laughs) with being an architect I must have been 10 or something 10 11 and I was just on track with architecture since then like and since then it's just been like okay I'm gonna take maths I'm gonna take physics because I need that I'm gonna take art because I like it but also I need it I love art I love science architecture is perfect and so Ever since then, it's just been like signs that architecture is the right thing. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't believe we never talked about it. I know like we, I mean, we were, it was a small gla- class and I know we never talked about like our aspirations and stuff, but because I've wanted to be an architect since I was about 10, 11 years old as well. So that's so funny that like, and a lot of the other women I've been talking to about it is everybody said like, it's either been when they were like 10, 11 years old and they just discovered and it's just this amazing career that they can pursue. And so that it's, I I love hearing that you've had that dream and that goal for so long because yeah, I really resonate with it. Maybe it's just like in you or something like the desire to like create worlds and stuff like that. I don't know. No, for sure. Yeah, I built little fairy houses. That was my like building little (laughs) houses for fairies. And I had Legos of course, but coming from Prague, I mean- Prague is such a magical city. Like that's exactly the word I use it to describe when people, my, I had some friends from college who were just there before Christmas and I'm like, well, it's just a magical city. You guys will love it. And they were like, this is like picturesque, perfect, just almost fairy tale like with the castles and then downtown Prague. It's such a beautiful city to be inspired from. Absolutely. Yeah. Every time I go back, I feel the same way. I'm just like, oh, like, is this real? And it is. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to make that happen. No, for sure. And it's been interesting seeing there's like the parts like by Pankratz where they're building all the skyscrapers, 
which has mm. been like interesting to see. And I'm just like, wow, I didn't know if Prague would ever, ever want to have skyscrapers. And actually that just reminded yeah, me, yeah. remember Anton from our class? Yeah. 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 Is he, is he building skyscrapers? He wanted to, I don't know if he's building skyscrapers. I don't know what he does right now, but oh. I remember one time he said, yeah, I have a vision for Prague for there to be skyscrapers. And I remember thinking, oh my God, no, 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 no. There cannot <laughs> no. be skyscrapers. <laughs> No, not in our prog. But the way they're doing it, yeah, not in not in our prog. No, no. But the way they're designing it, I think outside of the city center, it's okay. I'm allow. I feel like I'm allowing it, but it's definitely it's a it's tough bringing in like the contemporary, even like the Frank Geary, the dancing house. Yeah, yeah. Along the river, mm-hmm. that was done nicely. Where it doesn't, it's new, it's contemporary, but. It's just a piece of Prague now, which I think, yeah, Frank Gehry did a really nice job with the dancing house. Yeah, yeah. I'm not so worried about, like, what kind of buildings come in as much as, like, how they come in. Like, like what are the mechanisms that create buildings? Because when you think of the older buildings that are there, like, they were produced by the, a specific kind of culture and a specific kind of understanding about, like, public and private space and how people navigate and stuff like that and buildings took longer to make so people had those conversations and you couldn't really ignore what people thought that much about a new building in town because the people will be there watching (laughs) and you need the people to build it nowadays though i feel like with our sort of more modern building or construction industry i think there's sort of a lot of buildings coming up rapidly and it's less about the needs of the city and more about like an investment portfolio type thing and I think a lot of cities are struggling with the same thing where building is less about like sort of fulfilling a need a geographical need and or social need and more about someone investing in property or creating a property asset and that kind of a lot of negative sort of results overall, one of which being people who live next to whatever is coming up are like, what is this? Who approved of it? Nobody asked me or I said I didn't like it and yet here it is and it's ruining the city. So I don't know how Prague is handling that exactly. I'm pretty sure, at least in terms of the old town, there are pretty strict rules about what can and can't be added there outside of it. I guess it's considered fair game. That's so true, especially it made me think about in Chicago, the skyline. And when I moved, I moved there in 2010 and the skyline skyline did not change for a good four or five years. And then there was plans to build a few skyscrapers and it was a huge talk about, well, this is our signature skyline. It's before every football game, they show it. It's on all our merchandise, it's on our postcard. This is our identity. So putting in a new building, how does that symbolize our city, what we're what we look like to the world? And there was the one skyscraper, I think it was Calatrava, who was building it, and they built a huge pit. I think it was like 80 feet down for the foundation. And either they went bankrupt or something, but it was gonna be this huge spiral tower. That was going to just be huge. And everyone was like, what is that going to do to what the city looks like? And when I left, by the time I left in 2017, 
I think there were like 20 cranes building new skyscrapers. Like it was a huge boom and I haven't been back since, but it's amazing how certain buildings can change the identity of a city. Definitely. And not just that, but like how the city runs, like cities are like their own little ecosystem, like a little sunny square in, you know, in like kind of the center of the sort of business district suddenly gets like covered over by a new tower and like people don't interact with it the same way because that's not their sunny spot anymore so it kind of drains out and people have to like disperse and find somewhere else to be so but like that's not really a conversation that people have in the boardrooms that decide to create that building (laughs) which is kind of sad (laughs) no it is and now I work in Laguna Beach which is a small coastal city in Orange County And there is very different. We do have a design review board. So certain projects, if you have residential projects, go before the board. They make sure they're in keeping with the character of the neighborhood. Even some of the, any any hotel that has renovations, that goes to the planning commission. There's a little bit more control. But then I live in the town south of that, Dana Point, and they have much less strict rules. And they're just uplifting the downtown area and it's looking amazing. There's new buildings. And it's so it's interesting to see a city where there is more control, like in Laguna Beach, and then a city like Dana Point, where there's less neighbor control. And it's more of, well, these new buildings are going to bring new apartments. And it's um, half apartments. And on the lower level is commercial. So cafes, restaurants, workout places, and the economic boom it can bring to the downtown when it was really there was nothing here. It was just like empty lots. And so it's really interesting, too, to see if you allow certain change and bring buildings in, it can help economically with the revenue rather than having so much control where nobody wants their little town to change. Um, I know like it's a huge scale compared to like New York, too, and Chicago versus this little coastal town. But it is interesting to see how, how the public reacts to architectural changes. You know, actually, one of the things that I learned at the architecture school I went to or something that they did pretty often was when we did community projects like they were really sort of keen on making sure that we understand that like as the architect you're not kind of like just creating a vision from someone else and like imposing it on them and like or trying to get them to accept it like it'll work much better if the community itself is putting their dreams and desires into this project and you're kind of like helping them make it sort of legible and so the sort of emphasis on not ignoring the community that building is going to be built in even if it's like not their sort of building or whatever like there's still going to be the people around it so that kind of I think set me up to kind of thinking more about how often when we build, we kind of naturally think about, well, how will the community sort of think about this? But like, because we're being paid by whoever owns the building, we're kind of like, we have to be loyal to them in terms of the intent and the design and stuff. And you can kind of say like, hey, like you're doing this, but you need to think about like how people are going to interact with this building on the ground and like how it can affect whatever. But like, in terms of the power dynamics, like that's sort of how the hierarchy goes. And it's interesting because there was this um, architect that we learned about 
during like first year and like fifth year. I think. I, have you heard of um Christopher Alexander? Okay, he's kind of like an older British slash American architect, and he had like an interesting. I guess he he took his architecture knowledge and like turned it into theory a little bit. And his take was that a lot of the modernization of architecture has created like this situation where like architecture doesn't feel like it's built for people as much as it used to be. Like there's kind of a an emotional detachment. So you're kind of encouraged to think of the utilitarian aspects of what you're designing and economic and logistical aspects, stuff like that, things that you can quantify, calculate. He said, at least post-industrial revolution or whatever, a whole theory book. But it's actually a very nice read. That kind of architecture industry will never create like the small little Italian village towns that we love to visit because they just feel so like human and so like the scale is like touchable and everything about it is like it embeds itself in you like I don't know like those little like little Italian coastal towns like there's like Alvaro Bello which is really famous but different countries have like their own versions of that but he was saying like that's not created by the industry that we have now the industry we have now creates skyscrapers and um apartment complexes that aren't made for specific families in general or aren't made to be altered and to be personalized. Like they're made for like sort of an ideal person or group that doesn't really exist. So I think learning about that theory then kind of took me down the road to it where I'm sort of doing the stuff I'm doing now with like an architecture and like tutoring and whatnot. Cause I'm trying to, I guess, take, those conversations about architecture and bring them to the public arena and to get the public more involved in what buildings they want to see in the public space, what spaces they want to see in general, even if they're not buildings. It seems like um, the way the industry works really only like it gives those powers of manifestation to, you know, investment bankers and financiers and like people who then aren't even going to live there because they have other apartment buildings in other places in the world. They don't have to be there. And so I that kind of creates a city or town or village space that is inhospitable to the people who do, do have to live there. And then you don't have those charming towns that feel like the people love where they are and know where they are and are connected to where they are and so I feel like I'm really the thing that I'm focused on right now is like taking those conversations and putting them in the public space and being like what do you think about what do you think we need here what are your dreams about what this kind of space can be and then like seeing what they create out of it. That's so true and I'm noticing it in the residential world as well as There's all these beautiful custom contemporary homes, you know, you see them on Architectural Digest and it's all, it's almost like a sterile environment. I'm like, that's a nice place. It photographs very well, but I don't see myself hanging out with my husband, my kids and a dog and watching, you know, Netflix. 
in that room. I see myself, you know, taking really nice pictures, but not being at home in this home. And you also brought up a great point is there's a lot of people who have multiple homes who spend lots of money designing homes. And there's even neighborhoods. I think there's one even in London where a lot of wealthy people from all over the world bought certain homes so they could have that zip code, but nobody lives there. And it's just an abandoned area of a city that has a housing need that needs people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so true that, and it is, and also skyscrapers. I mean, it's amazing. They fill all the skyscrapers with so many people, but at the same time, it's like, there is that, that cozy, like you were saying about the Italian towns, it's like a cozy at home. It's, it's tangible. It's realistic. It's, 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 yeah, it's, there's a magic to it. There's a story to it. You see people living their day-to-day lives rather than just something you see on the cover of a magazine that looks really nice in a photograph. Right. It's like the kind of place that you go to on vacation so you can feel human again. And it's just like, rather than overburdening those little towns with lots of tourists who need to escape, like the kind of you know, like you said, like sterile environments that they need to kind of like just sort of operate on this robotic level. Like we should be creating those little sort of magical paradises where we are, like re-infusing it into our spaces so that, you know, we don't just go around being tourists to feel alive. We can like feel alive on a daily basis. (laughs) No, absolutely. And you mentioned your tutoring program. Are you taking people right now? Can Are you opening up courses? So I have technically opened it up and I am technically taking in students right now, but I'm still sort of, I have like this sort of tricky point where I don't want to sort of like just like broadly advertise because I feel like it's not. First of all, I'm one person, so I can't take on that many students. But at the same time, I feel like I'm looking for very particular kinds of students. Like, I don't want to promise that I'm going to help you with structures, particularly. Or, like, I won't help you just pass the class kind of thing. What I want to do is think around structures. Like, why do you even... Like, you need to think why you need this class in order for it to matter to you. And, like, that's the kind of conversations that I want to have. Because I feel like those are conversations that ultimately were lacking for me when I was in architecture school. Like, I had to have those conversations after I graduated, which I think is a little late for that. But, like, sit down with someone and be like, why are you learning this? Like, what do you want? What are your intentions? Like, do you understand who you want to be sort of in the future of the space, especially I think for younger generations, like they're growing up in a a really complicated time where a lot of older paradigms are being dropped and they kind of feel like they're walking into a space that is built on those older paradigms while not really believing in them. So I'm like, okay. Like, don't dissociate from that, which I think is what's in cards. Like, don't dissociate from, like, what you understand the world to be like. Like, put it intentionally into your work. Like, understand, like, the history of architecture is maybe more complex than it seems. That doesn't mean you should check out of the class, but it does mean 
you should sort of take it upon yourself to be more critical or be more active in what you're learning and then make sure that you're not just like trying to memorize you know the day before a test like what you're learning has meaning and you shouldn't have to like think about it only five years down the line after you've graduated like oh you know there were actually some things there that like I should have thought more about so I think that's kind of what I'm going after and I feel like most people within architecture under pressure are like I just need to pass structures I just need to pass history of architecture and any like something that'll help me remember this information on a test and that's not really what I'm offering so I don't really know how to how to promote or like kind of not sell that but like how to offer that and I don't know you know so I'm kind of like leaving it leaving the invitation out there and seeing if I can get like organically meet people and like see what happens like I'm not too stressed about like going through some kind of rigid sort of promotional setup I'm not really in a not that I'm not in a rush to get it done but like I'm willing to sort of let it sit back until or let it be ready to sort of pop up when the time is right or when the context feels like it'll suddenly work. And I do have like a couple of other things that I'm sort of trying to tap into at the same time. So again, it's ready, but it's not urgent. <laughs> no, and that's how it should be, this organic way. And you want to invite people into your space, into your energy, into the conversations so that they do flow organically. So I, I completely under understand. Well, this conversation has been so amazing. I'm so glad we got to connect and I'm glad that our world's kind of crossed again. And if you're ever in Southern California or if I was just in Prague, so I would, I would love to have, um, connect with you again in person, but this has been a really special conversation. So I'm so happy to have had you on and you're the first guest of 2023. So I'm super excited. Hey, yeah. conversation what a everyone. great way to start the year. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great way to start the year. Well, Neo, thank you so much again for coming on. Thank you so much. And it was so nice to see you again. Yes, it was. Wow, what a conversation. I loved reconnecting with Neo after all these years and diving into a conversation about our views on architecture and especially talking about how people interact with the buildings around them. So much of what Nao said, I really resonated with so much. And again, Nao, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation, and it was so good to catch up after all these years. And thank you, listener, for listening. And if you like this episode, please give it a heart or thumbs up and make sure to click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can also follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast. Thank you so much and see you next week.